0: Word of God and you are stirred up to go to look for things in the Word of God for yourself. Alright? So that is the ministry of the teacher. The evangelist is one who has it's like God gives a person an unusual passion for souls. All right, For winning souls. And it's not everybody who goes around who preaches for people to receive Christ. It's not everyone who does that who is an evangelist. I know now in the modern day church, we are very eager to give ourselves titles. It's like, Charlie, me to have to be something. All right? But for me, my approach to these things is that the function is more important than the title. All right? If you say you're a prophet, if you stand to minister and you're a prophet, we will know that you're a prophet. If you're a teacher, if you stand to minister, we will know that you're a teacher. All right? So let's not fixate ourselves on the titles. Let us look more at the function. The function, that is what the body of Christ needs. It's, it's not about titles and, you know, you didn't address me by my title, so I'm offended. Like, There's one I've been introducing a guest preacher. Jale, you have to be sure that you are using the name and the title the person wants to be addressed by. I mean, it's part of ministerial ethics anyway. Just address the if the person wants to be called most senior apostle. Just do it and let the person be happy. Because if you leave the most out and you just say senior apostle, he may take his anointing down and the preaching will not flow. So for the sake of the people, just give the person what he (laughs) wants. But I believe in concentrating more on the function than on the title. All right? So the fact that somebody has a burden for souls and goes around winning souls that alone doesn't make him an evangelist just like how i told you that i did that the fact that you can prophesy or you have one vision or you get one word of knowledge accurate it doesn't mean a suddenly you're a prophet all right the fact that you win souls and you have a burden for lost souls doesn't necessarily put you in the office of the evangelist one of the characteristics of the office of the of the evangelist aside having a burden for lost souls Going ahead to preach for people to be convicted. You see, one of the things about evangelists is that when an evangelist ministers, the level of conviction is unusual. You can take a message, you and somebody who has an the, the unction of an evangelist, the calling of an evangelist, you can preach the same message word for word. You do an altar call, you realize a large difference the number of people who will respond to the altar call is because he has a certain grace for conviction when they speak people are convicted alright it's, it's, the conviction is at an unusual level so you watch people like Bishop Dikey Mills and they make an altar call and it's like people are literally running to come forward to give their lives to Christ in the thousands alright it is an unction God has given to the evangelist. And another characteristic of the evangelist is that their ministry is backed by miracles and healings. Those two gifts are there. And God gives the evangelist that because he is reaching out to people who don't know Christ, people who haven't accepted Christ. And sometimes you need to switch into the realm of signs and wonders for the people to believe what it is that you are saying. What is the evidence that Jesus Christ is God? So use his name to do something. So you pray for the sick person, the person gets healed. Then, ah, hey, then, Charlie, listen, we can't explain it with logic. Oh yeah, make me follow him now. So God gives the evangelist the grace to operate in miracles, signs, and wonders. All right? So, as I said, it's, it's not just the fact that you, you you have a burden for souls. Those who have that and go around preaching to people. They are called exhorters. Somebody say exhorters. So you are an exhorter. All right? Don't be too quick to call yourself evangelist. (laughs) You are an exhorter. All right? God, God, God inches people gradually into the offices. See, you start with the bedding, and then the gifts will come and more before finally you are ushered into the office. Somebody said the difference between the office and the gift is that when you're operating in, a, in an office, an office doesn't just have one staff. So there's a secretary there, there's a, this in there. When God starts bringing people to come and work, to make that gift that he has placed upon you, visible to the whole world, and to, 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 to put it to the disposal of the whole world, that's the sign that you are moving into an office. You can't operate in an office and you are one man. It's like <laughs> you alone. <laughs> you are your PR, you are your this, you are your, dad, your that, you haven't gotten into the realm of the office yet. Because they, they, when you're operating in an office, an office doesn't have just one staff, it has other people, people who are doing other things. Are you getting the point I'm making? All right. So, in a nutshell, that is the evangelist. So, I've talked about the teacher, I've talked about the. The evangelist. Let me speak briefly about the pastor. The pastor is a shepherd, all right? He's a shepherd. We are like sheep. We are like flock. Even though in the house of God, there are some that don't behave like sheep, they behave like goats. <laughs> they are difficult to take care of. But goats also have a shepherd. Hallelujah. Yes. So the shepherd is the one who looks after the sheep. And the shepherd is supposed to feed the sheep. Supposed to feed the sheep. Let's see some of the characteristics of a pastor or a shepherd. Now, let me make this point clear. The word bishop, everybody say bishop, the word bishop and the word pastor mean the same thing. The original Greek word is the word episcopos. Episcopos. All right. So, Sometimes when the light is in- introducing me and he say, So let's welcome the bishop. Some of you are saying, Hey, this man is he trying to give himself some title. No, 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 that's not it. the pastor and the bishop actual. So if I'm a pastor of this church, then I'm a bishop of a church. It's as simple as that. Hallelujah. So don't think the bishop is some, then you imagine some long hearts and a staff. <laughs> A bishop and a pastor they mean the same thing let's look at first Timothy chapter 3 1 and 2 first Timothy chapter 3 1 and 2 things that will make you qualify as a pastor a shepherd they said this is a true saying if a man desire the office of a bishop He desired a good thing. Hallelujah. So if somebody desires to be a pastor, the Bible is saying that it is a good thing. Everybody says it's a good thing. Don't say the person is being too ambitious. It's a good thing to desire to be a pastor. Next. it said, a bishop then must be blameless. The husband of how many wives? (laughs) Vigilant. Sober of good behavior given toward hospitality and apt to teach so these are the characteristics of somebody who must be a pastor shouldn't be somebody that hey everybody is talking about hey this guy's is suspicious is this is that is that, that that no blameless all right and it must be given to hospitality if you are a shepherd and in your mind it is me myself and I you can't be a shepherd. Hallelujah. You must be hospitable. Your life must be open to people. Because if you are shepherding people, you must guide them. If they are having issues, in their happy moments, you are supposed to be there with them. In their sad moments, you are supposed to be there with them. That is a shepherd. And you you can't do that if you don't have a hospitable spirit. Because at times people may have to come and see you at home. You don't want people to come to him, so you intentionally put beware of wild dogs <laughs> on the gate so that nobody can come. <laughs> you must be hospitable. You must have your arms wide open to receive people, to be able to take people's strengths and their weaknesses and their—I mean, all kinds of things—in the work of a shepherd. You'll be proud of some. You'll be disappointed in some, but you must love all of them hallelujah yeah, because the sheep some of them you say go this way and they're going some even you say don't go this way that's when they want to go and see what is there that you are saying we shouldn't go and see so you just have to have that big heart that ability to take people for their strengths and their way if you don't have the ability to forgive and to push things aside you can't be a pastor you can't be a shepherd you can't be a shepherd because not every time that the flock God has given you will be doing the right things I've been preaching about coming for prayer meetings. Ah, last week in a church that, on paper, we are more than 100 members, we just had about 20 people. One fifth, 20 percent of the people come, and I've said it and mentioned it and mentioned and mentioned. If you don't have the heart of a pastor, <laughs> you have the heart of a pastor. You just you know angry and just fire people from the pulpit. But I me mean, I've come to realize that when you minister to people out of bitterness, God is not happy with you. And Moses is a typical example. Moses was angry. I mean the people frustrated him to ah you people all these signs and wonders you have seen you can decide that golden calf is better than God and you actually take time and fashion and do all kinds of things. You have food now, you say no. man, You know, we want meat to chew and things like that. They were just frustrating the man. So, God said, Speak to the rock. He got angry and ministered out of anger, out of bitterness. And you know, prophetically, that rock was actually Christ. Because Paul says later that Christ was following them, he was a rock, he was following them. And it was the rock that they drank from. So he hits Christ out of frustration, out of anger. It's like the King uh, Christ, bah, <laughs> bah, bah, bah. <laughs> he was just ministering out of anger. And you see, he was hitting the body of Christ. This is the body of Christ. If I minister out of anger and frustration, instead of speaking to the body of Christ, I'll be hitting the body of Christ. And that doesn't yield fruits. Hallelujah. So you, when we get to the pastor, I told them that one day we'll have a special where we'll talk about the pastor. Let's zoom in onto the two controversial ones. The apostle and the prophet. Right. I was telling you on Sunday that there are some people who actually believe the ministry of the apostle is gone. Because God raised apostles to establish doctrine. To lay foundations for doctrine but that is not so there are still apostles and today I'm going to teach you the different categories of apostles that we have all right of course we don't have apostles in the category of the Peters that we had at the beginning because they are a special group of apostles and even in heaven they are going to have a special place you and I can't occupy that space because we never walked with Christ. We never sat with Christ. We only read about Christ. We imagine we dream about him. We see him in visions but we never walk with Christ like them. So when we've been going to heaven, they are going to have a special place. So let me give you the different categories of apostles. The first category of apostle is Jesus Christ himself. He is the the, the head apostle himself. And the interesting thing about Jesus Christ is that he walked in all the five. All right. I'll show you a scripture that shows that he was considered an apostle. He walked as a prophet as well. I mean, look at his encounter with the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. Gave her very serious prophetic word of knowledge and stuff like that. He was a prophet as well. He was an evangelist because he was proclaiming the kingdom of God. He was actually the the originator, the first evangelist to actually proclaim that new kingdom of God. And he was a pastor because they called him, he even called himself the good shepherd. All right, he was a pastor and he was a teacher. That one he didn't even have to say, they called him rabbi. Because he could sit down and analyze from age 12 he knew the scriptures like nobody's business. And as I always say, he was an avid quoter of the word. A lot of the things Jesus Christ said were actually quotations from the New Testament. So Jesus Christ walked in all the five. So let's look at Hebrews chapter three, verse one. As proof that Jesus Christ was an apostle. So he's the first category of apostle that you have. It says, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Jesus Christ okay, so Jesus Christ the first category of apostles is is Jesus Christ himself, he is the only one who occupies that category of apostles and nobody can ever occupy that, alright and then the second class of apostles is what we call the apostles of the lamb, everybody say the apostles of the lamb and by the lamb we are referring to Jesus Christ, alright so, this refers to the 12 apostles or the 12 original apostles. The ones who walked with Jesus Christ. They ate with Jesus Christ. They did everything with Jesus Christ. They are called the apostles of the Lamb. Okay? And that class of apostles, we will never have again. Because we can't have another Peter. We can't have another John. We can't have... They are in a class of their own. Let's read Revelation chapter 21, verse 14. Revelation chapter 21, verse 14. Revelation 21, verse 14. And the wall of the city had 12, it's talking about the, the new Jerusalem, had 12 foundations in them and the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. So the Bible also recognizes the statement, the apostles of the Lamb. That's why I said in heaven, they will occupy places that you and I cannot occupy. Because what they saw, we didn't see. What they went through, we will never go through. <laughs> the things they experienced, we will never experience. So they are in a class of their own. So after Jesus Christ, we have the apostles of the Lamb. And then the third class are what we call the foundational apostles. The foundational apostles. These were apostles who never walked with Jesus. They never were in the company of Jesus while he was here in his earthly ministry. But God used them to build the foundation blocks of doctrine of the faith. And the apostle Paul is a typical example of that. Alright? Paul was never one of those who walked with Jesus Christ or followed Jesus Christ around. In fact, when Jesus Christ was around, he wasn't even born again. He was busy persecuting. I mean, he he, he wasn't born again. He he just was not born again. All right. So we have foundational apostles. So those people like uh, Timothy and Titus and all those people that God raised and used them to establish the foundations of Christianity and to establish Christian doctrine. They are called foundational apostles. So what are the three categories we've had so far? Jesus Christ himself, the apostles of the Lamb, and then the foundational apostles, okay? So let's take note of these three categories. And then the fourth class, which we refer to as non-foundational apostles, are the apostles that we have currently, all right? They are the non-foundational apostles. You see, the foundations that the apostles built in doctrine and all of those things, we are supposed to build on them. We can't lay any new foundation again. That's why I said, when I was teaching you about testing doctrine, when you hear something that is too off, the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. When it's too off, you have to start questioning it. All right? Because the foundation has been laid. We just build on the foundation. If you find something that is completely off, you, you have to question it. You have to question it. You don't You don't just, you know, that, that's why it's dangerous to get yourself into that mode where it's like, the thing is powerful only if it sounds strange. And Satan is really taking advantage of this mentality and he's deceiving a lot of people because it's like, hey, the moment the thing sounds strange, Charlie, then it looks like this guy has a new revelation. It's like a, a deeper level of understanding that the rest of us don't have the foundations have already been laid we are just building on what has already been laid so if what is being said doesn't have a connection with the foundation then it's a completely different building that is being built and it's a dangerous building because its foundations are not correct and it will crumble on you one of these days hallelujah all right so jesus christ the apostles of the lamb and then the foundational apostles these are the 3 and then the non-foundational apostles so the non-foundational apostles are the kind of apostles we have now all right there are certain characteristics there are certain characteristics of the apostle somebody who is called as an apostle it's important for you to understand the meaning of the word apostle the word apostle comes from the greek word word apostolos apostolos which means a messenger Or a sent one, a messenger, or a sent one. All right. So that is basically what an apostle means a messenger. So the messenger in the office who the managing director sends around is an apostle. (laughs) Because he's a messenger, he's a sent one. All right. So That is the meaning of the word apostle, a sent one. And it is important to understand that for all of these ministry officers, the fundamental thing is that you must be a preacher and a teacher of the word. Okay? That is the fundamental. Whether you are a prophet or an apostle or a teacher or whatever you must be somebody who proclaims the word of god it's as simple as that that is the basic characteristic okay that is the basic characteristic and when i get to the prophets i'll talk about that because some of the prophets say <laughs> and the teachers will teach you the word We but it's it's not it's not correct that is not how it's supposed to be so the fundamental thing is that with the apostle, you should be a preacher of the word. You must proclaim the word of God. Now, as a sent one, there are different ways in which you can be sent. Alright. So God can send somebody to a particular destination, a particular city. Alright. Somebody like Reverend Isudanaba, God sent him to the people of the north. Sent him to take a particular message to the people of the north alright so you're being sent can be to a particular destination it can be to a particular group of people it can be to a, even a particular category of people that some people their ministry it is to widows they just have a special ministry for widows every time they open the Bible things that you don't see a connection with the widow inside right? they, they will see Like, that is the message God has given Like those who have the, it's like the the faith message. They'll take, I mean, some ordinary scripture, you don't see faith inside. They'll see faith. A scripture that you don't see prayer in. Duncan Williams will see prayer in it. And you're wondering. Because that is the message God has given unto him. And God has given him the grace to give that particular message. So, you can be sent to a geographical area you can be sent to a particular group of people or even a category of people some people young people it's, it's young people for some people to married people they are, the message God gives them is to married people it's like they just have a special grace for that they see scriptures that relate to marriage that you if you see you think it's related to something else altogether they, they see marriage in it and things like that alright so, you can be sent. When we say a sent one, and I'm saying all these things because there are a lot of misconceptions about what an apostle is. Somebody was talking about, I uh, was apostle, the three words, or sumafu, or Asumafu, you will be or titan, sorry. That's, that was his definition of an apostle. One of the functions of an apostle will be, could be that you will be sent to open churches. It's one of the things, but that is not the only thing about an apostle. Hallelujah. So you can be sent to a group of people, you can be sent to a geographical area, and you can be sent with a particular message, a particular message for the body of Christ. So a typical example is Smith Wigglesworth. He was sent with the message of faith. That's why they call him the apostle of faith, even though he never opened his mouth to call himself an apostle. That's why I said the function is more important than the the title, all right? Smith Wigglesweat never once opened his mouth to say, I am an apostle of it. But his works showed this is a man who is recorded undeniably to have raised 23 people from the dead. One, 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 twenty-three from the dead, like that. His own wife died while he was ministering somewhere. He was ministering, they came and whispered to him that your wife is dead at home let me finish the preaching. Finish the preaching as if nothing had happened. He entered the house. He said God didn't tell him he was going to take his wife. So he just went into the room. Honey, wake up. I'm home. <laughs> <laughs> the wife sat up and begged him that please let me go back because the place I've gone to, no, this earth looks too nasty, too looks too dirty, please. I was like, eh, hey, you want to go? I mean, that's that's, that's the kind of person he was. Smith Wigglesworth wasn't educated. I mean, he never went, he was a plumber. He never went to school. But God called him and put a special grace on him. And his modes of ministration sometimes were crazy. Smith Wigglesworth could do crazy things during his ministrations. I mean, there was a man who had stomach cancer, and they brought him to his meeting. The man came with his doctor with oxygen on him and everything was in the hospital clothes. It was like terminal. Went to die. And the man said they should just give him a chance to go to the hospital. A doctor who didn't believe in these things followed him because it's like you can die at any time. You, if you believe in these things, you let me just went and sat down. So the doctor said, Ah, you, you are sick. Brought the person for somebody who has stomach cancer. He did the fist and gave him a blow in the stomach. Boom! The doctor nearly tore him apart. I said, What are you doing? You are killing him. The time the man came back, he was removing all the oxygen things, and he was completely healed, just like that. I mean, he was a very, very bold man. Somebody died in his meeting. Smekwetelswet went, pulled, he was very crude in the way he did these things. Pulled the man, dragged him, the dead body like that, lifted him to the wall, and slapped him, and the person came back to life. <laughs> That is apostle of faith. <laughs> so he preached faith. He had the message of faith. And he stirred up a lot of faith in people. Smith so goes one of those people who believed a lot of things were contaminations in this world. He didn't even want to see a newspaper in his house. If you are walking into his house and you're holding a newspaper, he'll tell you, put that devil's paper outside before you enter my house. I mean, those who had close encounters with him, people like Lester Samra, you will not go and sit in Smith like, Wigglesworth's presence and you will talk about football or talk about scriptures. When you sit down, no, he takes the Bible, mm-hmm. scriptures. He lived in a certain realm. I <laughs> Had no time for no, 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 no secular things and gossip. No, 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 no. No, no wonder he could raise twenty-three people from the dead. So somebody like him, he was an apostle with, because I I, I don't know of Smith Wigglesworth with um, establishing a church. You have not heard with church. It would have been pro- probably a very popular church by now, <laughs> but Smith Wigglesworth never established it. So those who have the impression that an apostle must necessarily establish a church, if you understand the word apostle as a messenger, God can be, give you a message for the body of Christ and for Smith Wigglesworth, it was the message of faith. I've talked about Duncan Williams. Duncan Williams is an apostle of prayer and spiritual warfare. I mean, sometimes when you listen to him and he's taking certain scriptures and he's seeing prayer in it, I'm like, hey, I mean, I, if you give me a thousand years, I won't see prayer in that. I will see the prayer and he'll work the thing and you realize that, yeah. And because he's a man of prayer, when... If you want, I taught you that to improve your prayer life, you should pray with preaching. I recommend Duncan Williams' preachings for you. If you want some preaching to pray with, he just has that unction for prayer. And the more you listen while you are praying, you will catch that unction. He just has this because he's a man of prayer. When he speaks, there's this staring. It's like you. I mean, those of you who have listened to his messages before you. So, meaning there are certain people, you can criticize them, then they, I know that they are men of God. He is a man. No two ways about it. And now he has started preaching about rapture. <laughs> now, he he's listening to his message. his preaching. He said, God told him that, look, you have preached prosperity and preached all these things. They are not that important. Go back to the old message. So, he started preaching rapture and the second coming of Christ. And he will scare you old-time raw rapture preaching yeah there's another apostle like that he was it's called peter wagner See peter wagner he's he's dead now he's also one of the apostles of strategic spiritual warfare if you want to learn about spiritual warfare look for his book he has a book on spiritual warfare tell you about frontline spiritual warfare and this and that and that and God has used such people to break certain grounds, strongholds in certain cities. There are certain cities that they could never break through to evangelize. They'll call see Peter Wagner. He'll just go and spend a month there. By the end of the month, he has mapped out all the principalities and powers. He knows where to fire the prayers. He finishes and call evangelists, come. And their souls will just be one like that. Boom. Plenty. And he's raised a lot of prophetic intercessors. So such a person, no church, no planting of any church, but he was brought onto the earth with a message specific message for the body of Christ there are some people too who are giving a message for prosperity financial breakthrough there are some people wisdom somebody like Mike Murdoch if you listen to Mike Murdoch you are like hey it's like Solomon reincarnated the way he put it, sometimes when he's talking his preaching is like poetry as if Solomon laid hands on him before he died <laughs> I mean, wisdom, a lot of wisdom. Wisdom keys for this and that and that. There are people who have been given that. Miles Monroe had a, 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 a message on purpose. He would digest the subject of purpose and you wonder whether you've read the Bible before. Purpose. So, people can be given a specific message for the body of Christ, and that is what makes them apostles. Hallelujah. There are certain characteristics of apostles. I mentioned earlier that one of the reasons why, in any place, the apostle turns out to be the natural leader is that the apostle tends to walk in all of the other four. So we have the apostle, we have the prophet, we have the pastor, we have the teacher, we have the evangelist. They normally use the, the fingers, the five fingers, to illustrate all of them. They say the small finger is the teacher because it's small the way the teacher can break the word down to small bits and give it to you and you can swallow it without choking and then the ring finger is a pastor symbol of love it's there with you through thick and thin through your happy moments through your difficult moments it's there everything the middle finger is the longest and can reach farthest so they say that is the evangelist he'll go to every nook and cranny and win every once this is so this is so or how he he go he does it, he'll just go Alright And then the forefinger Represents the prophet He gives direction Hey Let's go here Let's not go here That kind of thing And the apostle is the thumb Because the thumb is the only one Who can touch here Touch here Touch here Touch here So one moment The apostle is looking like a teacher He's breaking the word down nicely One moment He's a pastor Shepherding people Mentoring people The next moment He's an evangelist He's doing an altar calling There are I mean serious conviction Ministry followed by signs and wonders. The next moment he's operating in the prophet. That is why the apostle emerges as the natural leader. Because you, the prophet, the realm you are working in, he is worked there before. The teacher, he's worked there before. The pastor, he's worked there before. Evangelist is worked there before. So such a person naturally emerges as a, as a natural leader. Alright. And I'm saying this because of that assumption that the order in which we were presented is the reason why the apostle seems to be the natural leader is is this because he seems to be able to touch on on all the others one of the characteristics of the apostle is that the apostle's ministry is characterized by signs and wonders the apostle's ministry is characterized if you look at the apostles in the bible their ministries were characterized by signs and wonders and you know Paul is, is, is a typical example of walking in all the others. There are times that you think this guy is a prophet because he's going to the third heavens and seeing things nobody has seen. Descending, uh, what do you call it? Evil spirits in the girl, casting it out. The next moment he's preaching and people are getting converted. He's teaching the word. I mean, it's, it's everything, all right? And their ministries are characterized by signs and wonders. Ben Cindy Dahosa, signs and wonders. I don't know how many of you have heard of W.F. Kumui. Deeper Life guy. I mean, serial signs and wonders. Serial signs and wonders, you know. So there are, there are people. There are people like that. And then another characteristic of an apostle is boldness. Boldness. And that is because God uses the apostle to pioneer things. The apostles are like they are like the the pathfinders, the waymakers. It's like when there's difficulty, nobody the one with the apostolic function will come in, break the grounds. So somebody said, if you have a program and you have listed different preachers, the first night, if you want your program to be good, you put somebody with an apostolic function there because they can break the grounds and it's like the door is, is closed. The apostle comes and kicks the door open, boom, and says, The rest of you go inside and go and do things. That's the apostle. He he opens the door, he makes the way. All right. So these people are bold people, they take risks, they are not afraid to try new things. It's like, oh, the ministry is how everybody does it. No, 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 no. We are moving this other direction. So initially they'll face a lot of opposition before everybody comes to realize that ah. Charlie, this is the way. Then they've opened the door, they've kicked the door open. So everybody just goes inside and then it works like that. Duncan Williams, for example, God used him to start the charismatic move. There was a certain way of worship that was not known in Ghana. But the man wasn't up. I mean, he criticism, if criticism killed people, he would have died 10 times <laughs> by now. You know, there are certain things he preached in those days. Nobody had preached prosperity before. He started preaching prosperity. He received passion. He didn't care. Later, other people started preaching it. He was the first person to start a TV ministry. Nobody had done that before. But he did. He just went, asked for permission. And time, it wasn't um, this private station that would even beg you, Charlie, bring your money. Unless GTV, those days, priority time went, broke through. They gave him the time and stuff like that. So those are some of the, the characteristics of apostles. All right. So the prophet, I don't think I'll have time to exhaust the prophet, but I'll just introduce it. And then another time we'll go deeper. I'm interested in the prophet one, because you need to understand the ministry of the prophet. Amen. And nowadays the, the whole thing has become some way. There are a lot of prophets around there. We really need to understand the office of the prophet well. It is important for us to understand and that's the point I'll make and then we'll close. That the role of the New Testament prophet is different. It's slightly different. There are similarities but it's slightly different from the role of the Old Testament prophet. Take note of this. A lot of people are missing this and they are placing themselves at the mercy of frosters and charlatans because they don't understand that we are in a new covenant. Why is the role of the New Testament prophet slightly different from that of the Old Testament prophet? In the Old Testament, ordinary people like you and I didn't have the Spirit of God coming upon them. There were three categories of people who had the Spirit of God on them. The priests, the kings, and the prophets. Okay? The priests, the kings. And there were certain individuals who, who didn't fall within any of these that periodically the Holy Spirit will come upon them to accomplish a task and that is it so the ordinary person didn't have access to God if you wanted to contact God you did it through the high priest if you wanted atonement done for you you go through the high priest all right but that has changed okay when I was teaching on the series of prayer I said now the temple is our body outer court, flesh, holy place, that's all. Holy of holies, our spirits. The Holy Spirit dwells inside of us. So that change in paradigm alone sort of changes the role of the New Testament prophet a bit. The similarities are there in that both in the New Testament and the Old Testament prophets are seers. I made a statement some time ago that every believer is prophetic. Once you have the Holy Spirit inside, like you are prophetic, it's just a matter of degrees. Everybody hears from God at one level or the other. It's just a matter of degree. Just that the prophets are specialists in hearing from God. So when it comes to operating in things like word of knowledge and word of wisdom, while you may have it once in a while, for the prophet, it is a constant thing in his or her life. Is the consistency with which it happens. You, once in a while, God will show you a certain dream. Once in a while, you have a vision or something. Once in a while, God will just drop some information, very accurate information about somebody in your heart or something happens sporadically. But in the case of the prophet, it is a consistent thing. It is something that happens more consistently, all right? And the prophet, after he has worked in these revelational gifts and these vocal gifts for a while, learns how to stir it up because it's a consistent thing they learn that okay this is what stares it up and for everybody you must know what stirs your gift up you must know what stares your gift Elijah knew what stares his gift up so when he was called to prophesy and the thing was becoming difficult he said Charlie bring me a minstrel as soon as the minstrel began to minister the Bible said the spirit of God came upon him he opened his mouth and started declaring that that's see the Lord all right so i'll pause here we'll continue with the ministry of the prophet later and then i'll go into signs of a suspicious prophet mm, very very important the signs the things that you must look out for i'll tell you that this guy is suspicious you see i don't want to use the word false because when you say false, then it means probably a person is not from god but there are people who are from god but they are suspicious Uh, They just allow certain things to enter their lives. All right. So, we'll continue with that some other time. On Sunday, maybe I'll do this one next Wednesday, but on Sunday, I'm going to teach you on the subject of angels. Okay? I'm going to teach you on the subject of angels. You need to understand the subject of characteristics of angels. What they do. What how we can use angels, all right? I'll use scriptures to show you what. And then after that, once we've talked about angels, we have to talk about the other ones too. The enemies that we fight. We need to understand how they also